When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Poncho listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. It's the Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, my next guest is one of my favorite authors. Please welcome back to The Late Show, George Saunders. So, uh, you got uh, the new book of short stories here. It's called Liberation Day, a first fiction collection you've done since your novel, Lincoln and the Bardo. Um, how do you decide what you're going to write? Because fiction is anything can happen. Yeah. After you, you know, write that novel, how do you decide what the next thing you're going to work on that's going to take years? Yeah. For, for me, honestly, it's just, like, fun. If it's not fun, I don't want to do it. And, and the most fun thing is if you start a story and you don't know what's going to happen. So just to kind of confuse yourself in that way and then just see, see where it goes. Because the idea is if you, if I know too well what I'm going to do, and I just do that. That's a big buzzkill. Like, this, Gerald Stern, his poet, said, if you, if you have to clean it up for TV, but he said, if you start out to write a poem about two dogs making love, <laughs> and you write a poem about two dogs making love, then you wrote a poem about two dogs making love. <laughs> you know? So the idea is, you're, you're, and Einstein was a little more classy. He said, uh, no worthy problem is ever solved on the plane of its original conception. So the whole thing is you got to have a plan and then you got to be willing to abandon it. And for me, the story is a great form for that. It's always when so I, hard. I started off in improvisation and sort of the, mm. the idea there was discovery is better than invention. That's perfect. Is that together you'll discover something on stage that neither one of you could have invented. Right, because otherwise you're kind of condescending. You know, you, 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 if I have a story and I know what it is and I just tell it, it, it ends up being a bit of a lecture. You know, it's like if you went on, on a date or something and you had index cards, you know. 7 p.m., ask about her mother. You know, I mean, I mean you, you might do that because it's anxiety-reducing. Sure. But in the end, it's not, it's not a relationship. So I love that, especially as I'm getting older, the idea that you're trying to make a really intimate communication with somebody you don't know, and you're kind of trying to think the best of them as, as you do that. You when know? you write nonfiction, is it different, though? Because in nonfiction, are you going in with more of a clear intention? Yes, but then the world will kick your ass. Because, like, I, I did a, a, a story where I drove the whole Mexican border from, from east to west. And I, you know, I'm a liberal left, left, left of Gandhi, basically, you know. And, yes. and uh, so I knew what I wanted to be true. And then you go into the big, you know, crazy world, and it just says, nope, too simple, nope, too simple. So by the end, I, I came out um, in San Diego, and I was leaving, and these two beautiful border guards came riding down on horseback, you know. Oh, you're a reporter, yeah. What have you found out? And I told them, and they just dismantled everything I thought, you know? So in, in both fiction and nonfiction, for me, the goal is to get to the place where you're 
usual judging mind has been quieted, you know? Mm-hmm. All your usual easy opinions just get, get you know, uh, reduced, and you're just in that kind of holy state of not knowing anything, which is, a, I think, a kind of a, a sacred place, really, you know? I had an opportunity to read a story of yours at Symphony Space recently called Love Letter from a grandfather to a grandson, and it's placed in, in a somewhat fictional political environment where the grandson is asking for advice from his grandfather. Can you, can you explain to the people, you have a very interesting story about how that story came about, and I think it speaks to that going into a place where you don't entirely know the... Yeah, but first let me say, if you go to symphonyspace.org and watch this, because we know he's a national treasure, right? But... But but that... That night, we were were there, Stephen read the story, and at the end of it, there was this moment of complete... You could have heard a pin drop that people were stunned, and then there was this thunderous wave of applause, and I was so grateful. I mean, I liked the story okay before you read it, but, but, but after you write it, like, oh, that was pretty good. But thank you. That was just such a generous, amazing... Well, it was, it was, you know. it was really my honor to read it, as I said. But what I, what I, you know, what it, it makes it easy when it's a really good story and you, mm-hmm. there's, there's a very complex uh, emotional intention for the character that you're reading. And I'm curious about where the complexity of that story, if you could give a thumbnail sketch of what it's a, yeah, about. Yeah, basically, I, it was before the 2020 election, and I was just feeling, you know, agitated and pissed. And mostly I was feeling, are we really going to blow this thing? You know, this beautiful country that we've, we've made by kind of mutual consensus. Are we really going to let uh, something so silly and comical, someone so silly and comical, bring it down? And it made me deeply sad. So I just did what I always do, which I went into the writing room, and I kind of typed up my sincere emotion. And then what I learned from Chekhov is uh, you can do, write anything you want, but you have to attribute it. So I gave it to a grandfather. And the grandfather is writing kind of a letter of explanation or apology to his grandson, who's now living in this sort of autocratic regime. And he's just explaining, you know, here's how it happened. And what you want to happen in a story is that, it, again, it surprises you. So in that story, and you conveyed this so beautifully, he starts off saying, don't fight back. Just enjoy what you can. Just keep your head in the sand. And by the end of the story, he kind of talks his way out of it, you know. And now he's, he's not so sure that he should be giving someone he loves that kind of passive you know, advice to be passive. I love short stories. I always have. How long is a short story? And, and, and that's a semi-serious question yeah. because there's the short story that becomes the novella and the novella that becomes the novel. Do you know you're writing a short story when you start? I, and I, do you ever start a short story and go, you're a page in, you go, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. That can happen. I've I've often started a story, and there's a kind of moment where a short story writer will go, "This might be the novel. I think this is it." You know, and then you bloat it up for another six months, and you realize it actually actually worked. So, <laughs> for me, I I think like my little talent is kind of like a, you know, you take one of those toy cars and wind it up, and then try to get it to go under the couch as fast as possible, <laughs> just quick, you know. But that's all it's going to do for now. Yeah, I think so. I think fifteen yeah. pa- fifteen to twenty pages is kind of the the idea, you know, but. Um, in, in, in one of your short stories in, in this, the, it's better an author, a writer, is mm-hmm. having writer's block. Do you suffer writer's block, or have you in the past, and if so, what do you do? I, you know, the best thing I've ever heard on this was David Foster Wallace said that writer's block is always a case of having stupidly elevated expectations, you know? So you look at a blank page, I've got to be Tolstoy. You go for a walk, you know? Um, but <laughs> but if, you, if you have gotten in touch with your own revision process, then you're never blocked. You just type some crap. That's a technical thing. You type some crap. <laughs> and, then, and then if you have taste, you know, and if you, and if you believe in your taste and you go back to what you've written, you tune it up, uh, you cut some stuff, you improve it, put it away, come back the next day. So for me, it's like doing that hundreds, 
maybe even thousands of times. And the really wonderful thing is if you're doing that, somehow the story gets smarter than you are. It gets wiser, it gets kinder, it gets funnier. So this guy I'm not so crazy about, you know. But, but this, by the end of it, when a story is done, I feel like that guy is, I can live with him, you know. So yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, you lived in Chicago. How long did, did you live in Chicago? Uh, 20 years, first 20, 20 years. years, yeah. I lived there for 11 years. Um, I mean, tons, tons of the people who actually work on the show are Chicago people. There's a lot of people associated with improv from yeah. the show, and there's a big improv community there. I'm curious, what what of Chicago exists in your work? Do you yeah. think people should recognize something about life or the ethos there? I think there's a certain kind of sweet darkness in Chicago. There, I'll tell you the, the story I was thinking of. My, we had some neighbors. We didn't know them very well. Um, but the, the woman's mother had passed away. So my dad goes to the funeral. We don't know him very well. But um, he says to her, you know, your, your, your mother lived to be 95. You know, she seemed to have a very long and healthy life. And the woman says, yeah, this is the sickest she's ever been. <laughs> and, and, the, and the Chicago part is my dad came home. He's such a sweet man. And he came home with such a tender way of telling that story. Like, he had so much sympathy for her. And yet it was a really, really funny moment. So for me, that's Chicago in a nutshell, you know. Well, uh, George, lovely to see you. Thank you oh, so, so much great for being here. here. Thank you. Liberation Day is available now. George Saunders, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.